Uh, I'm Sarah Cooper. I'm AWS's, ooh, that got a little louder. Uh, AWS's GM for IoT solutions. So I own the part of the stack where we start bringing functional components together, build up all those infrastructure pieces. Um, I've been with AWS for about four months. So one of the reasons, I've done IoT for 15 years, um, but one of the reasons that AWS was such an attractive uh, employer um, was a lot of what we're going to talk about today, which is that devices, you know, which used to be out in the field, well, they are out in the field for, you know, 10 to 15 years, um, used to be that you had to kind of predict how customers were going to be using that device in, in 10 years, in 15 years, in five years. Um, technology, I don't know how many of you are using the same, you know, cell phone from five years ago. Um, I've gone through about six. So that's not how technology works anymore. Having the building blocks that AWS brings to the table to be able to constantly reinvent what that, since we're at reinvent, reinvent what that product is and does and means to the end user, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Um, I'll go through, you know, a few of some of the kind of common design patterns that we see connected product customers using. Um, and then I'm going to hand over and I'm going to try to move quickly. We're starting a couple minutes late and give the floor to Olga, um, who will talk through what Pitney Bowes has been going through and moving their products into something that constantly stays relevant, particularly in the small business medium uh, enterprise uh, office space market. So, but we see this at, at, at small connected products, the things that you buy in your home that you plug into the wall. We also see this on some of the things we saw in the State of Union today, you know, uh, the big uh, autonomous uh, mining machines. I actually did mining for a little while too. Those things are so cool. They need a bigger picture of it just for the like full size, like 60 tons, um, all on these tires that are uh, getting hot. Um, so one of the things that, uh, you know, uh, product engineers kind of think about is, you know, what's the, what's the functionality? How am I going to manage power? You know, what kind of comms can I use to make sure that I've got enough headroom in this device? All of that is extremely important. However, you know, as we talk more about things like green grass, the ability to change not just the functionality of the device, but really your entire ecosystem around that device and to adapt that as we move forward takes a lot more work from a manufacturer, from a, from a product designer um, than a you know, catch and release model. Um, I'm going to go over a few of the kind of concepts that Olga's going to dive a little bit more into exactly how um, Pitney has gone through this, which is much more interesting, <laughs> and, and also some of the lessons that they've learned. Um, but just to kind of cover a couple of concepts for folks who, you know, may not have that kind of gut uh, reaction for IoT. Data coming off of these devices, that's why these devices are connected, so we can get the data. So it is the reason for IoT, um, particularly in connected products. But, but not all data is, is created equal. There's things that you really want to know. There's alarms. There's, hey, my beer fridge is empty. That is a critical, that is hot data. You need to know that instantly. Cold data, what's the population doing with this device? Is there a seasonal move um, in the way that people use the device? Uh, is there something that we can move into our product to say, hey, you know, during the winter time, 
Um, coffee breaks tend to be longer. Are there some more automation so we can pull more, more of the functions together so that you know, somebody can walk away from the device uh, for a good 45-minute coffee break? You can see you know, beer and coffee is kind of a theme. Uh, Dirk started that, not me. Another thing about IoT data is it's not just that it is relevant at different timescales, but also there's different data coming off of these devices. Measured data is a lot of the sensor data. That's a lot of the monitoring of that device. Um, a lot of diagnostic health data. You know, hey, it's lovely when a device spends its time going, I'm healthy, still healthy, still healthy. You're paying for all of that. Um, also contextual information. We don't talk a lot about this in IoT yet, but it will become more and more important. Um, Olga's going to talk a little bit about it from a data enrichment standpoint. But knowing whether five is good or bad means you know that it's a temperature. You know it's Celsius. It's Fahrenheit. It's Kelvin. Is it your dog's temperature? That'd be bad. Is it the ice cream freezer? That would be good. So that contextual information, that's very simple example of contextual information, um, really helps bring the system and the processes that that IoT device is participating in, bring that down to your analytics and be able to make that part of your decision-making processes. Um, that data doesn't tend to be hot data, and the reason is it's about coordinating across that system. There's some time extrapolation. There's a lot of analytics that need to happen to really bring in the core pieces of those contexts. Um, derived data, that's again kind of the actions, the insights that you put over a large data set. So this is, I've sort of generally put that into temperature categories. Of course, there's some derived data optimizations on drill heads for oil, which has to be done in, you know, I think 20 microseconds and you're, um, and you've already missed your SLA. So looking a little bit about some of the types of analytics that we grab off of connected products, and particularly um, behavioral analytics, getting to know your users, um, looking at what is some of that product impact um, from usage patterns. Um, so you know, we took a little bit of a, of a, of a pass at, at how you know, a lot of customers, and you'll see again, um, I keep talking about Olga because I'm going to try to move quickly and give it a floor to her. You'll see how this is done. Um, but, you know, being able to figure out, you know, is this cohort of users, you know, is this something that, do I have to worry about churn? Is this cohort of users implicating that there's a different usage pattern for this device that maybe I didn't intend? Does that mean that I need to bifurcate my product? Um, is that something that I can, you know, keep the product the same, market a little bit differently, maybe add a little extra value pricing on top? Um, all of this information coming into a product manager, and, and by the way, product managers these days have become excellent amateur data scientists. I say amateur only because a lot of the pieces that they're managing tend to be an abstraction and in a very specific point of view, whereas data scientists, at least most of the companies I've dealt with, tend to be very kind of broadly focused on, on data. So your domain expert is your product manager in these instances. Um, you heard Dirk again mention a little bit about uh, experimentation. So another thing we see when this is, this is why you'll see a lot of Lambda <laughs> um, in this presentation and all of our IoT presentations, Lambda gives you a chance to kind of experiment. So you can kind of write a nice little function, 
Right, a couple of them. Figure out, you know, I'm going to try A. I'm going to watch, and this is, I'm a physicist, time zero, you know, 5 t equals 5 t equals 30. You can actually, and I had one of our teams go through and, and look at um, a fairly simple uh, connected product, which there's a demo kicking around with us and, and Salesforce um, looking at uh, solar panels. And so I had them take a look at the cleaning. So they've, basically the demo is you've got three solar panels, you stick your hand over one, and the system goes through a process where it's analyzing, is this thing dirty? If it's dirty, then it runs over to Service Cloud at Salesforce and says, okay, run, you know, what, what's the cleanup method for this? Do I call an installer or is there an automated uh, program for that? In this instance, there's an automated program because we're IoT, close loop automation, and it goes through a cleaning cycle. So what we did is we took a look at a couple of different cleaning cycles. And yeah, I wanted to see how quickly, given that we had pre-built these and wanted to do an experimental matrix, how fast could we get this done and figure out which was best. Um, we actually thought, and then I made, <laughs> I made the guys kind of figure out which they thought. So turns out we weren't really good at guessing um, what we thought the right cleaning program was going to be. Um, our first attempt, uh, which was uh, the team's chance to turn around and tell me I'm wrong, that, that they know ahead of time and you can guess all these things, um, turned out to not be very good. Um, there are a whole bunch of reasons why that's a different talk. Um, but basically, we were able in an hour to go through to actually collect that data to determine which of these uh, operations worked best and then to step back um, into uh, time two. So if we look at um, the other part of this, which I think Olga will also get into, um, is product managers are not alone. Uh, figuring out how to talk about an adapting and a living product and how it's changing out in the marketplace and how you want that product to evolve based on the data you're seeing, you've got to be able to push that out to a lot of different teams within an organization. So I put this up there um, really to point out that all of those systems and how you communicate that is really the effectiveness of your product being able to, to truly adapt. Um, it's not just about can you come up with the best feature sets for your end user. How do you train the sales team? How do you make sure your distributors know about that product and move it out? And, and that actually has to be part of the IoT system. So it's not that it's a core piece of how do we you know, do Lambda functions, but how and where are you connecting and pushing that data? And how do you make sure that those systems um, have an automated awareness? And by that I mean you don't have to ship an Excel file every time. You come up with a new uh, new data sheet for the product. So I'm just going to quickly again set the stage a little bit um, for some of the design patterns that you'll see um, from Pitney. This is a, just a very basic way that we look at connected products. Um, you'll see the API gateway up there with Identity Manager. Uh, this gives us kind of one throat to choke from the API structure standpoint, so that we can use uh, usually a connected mobile app. Um, there are multiple applications that can hang off of this as well from your product operations side to if this product goes into commercial environments, some of their IoT operations uh, components, and it gives you the flexibility of being able to slice and dice the group of those APIs based on who that target audience is. Um, this is our kind of typical AWS IoT stack. Um, we've got devices coming in that have the SDK. You don't have to have the SDK in order to populate data into IoT. Uh, we've got devices that can send, you know, data not just to IoT. So you'll see this IP security camera. It's a very common use case where we've got streaming data 
that is larger than the message size. It's optimum for AWS IoT. So we'll stream the, you know, the, the video codecs through Elastic Transcoder and directly into the product stack, um, directly into the, the application stack. And AWS IoT is handling all of the management of that device, the connected health, um, you know, the command sets down to that device. Uh, we'll use the rules engine um, and additional Lambda functions to do some processing that's outside of that rules engine. The rules engine tends to be the routing engine within AWS IoT. We use things like a DynamoDB to manage shadow, um, which is how, with the state of your device when it's offline and how you connect to it and send commands to it, um, as well as RDS for a lot of the raw data storage that we do. Um, you'll also see we have different temperatures of data analytics. Um, Kinesis streams are a great way to do, you know, sort of that hot data. How fast can you get to that, you know, to that alarm, to that alert, to that insight? Um, Lambda, we tend to use for the flexibility of it. Um, again, based on if you want to be able to test something quickly and throw it out, Lambda is a great way to do that. Um, you can also, of course, use machine learning as well as EMR. You'll see EMR a little bit more from Pitney on how do you get some of that larger, that cooler data, some of the batch processing, predictive maintenance models. Um, Elasticsearch, we tend to use for sort of population level. If you want to know how many devices in the Northeast you know, were affected by a storm um, that happened to be running a certain software version, Elasticsearch is beautiful for that. Um, you also notice we have a bunch of other services, and, and um, this also allows our customers to bring in the, the services that they have. Uh, Pitney has a lot of location intelligence um, that they bring into the IoT ecosystem in addition to their product stacks. So um, I'm not going to go into this a lot. We sort of just quickly talked about this. I want to leave uh, more time for, um, for Olga. But... Um, one of the ways that we see a lot of, of integration into third-party systems, which is a question I get all the time, um, is through functions like Lambda, where we can kind of create this closed loop. We use S3 to train our machine learning model. So you put your data into S3, you train your model, you hook it up to the rules engine to say, okay, um, you know, is this customer a potential churn uh, target? Um, if they are, and you decide that this is a customer that's valuable enough to do something based on that pattern, um, I'm not a hugely valuable customer because I don't tend to spend a ton of money on most products, um, but if I did, uh, you might decide to throw and you know, upgrade the product directly. Um, that was a little bit of a joke. I, I do tend to spend um, more than I probably should on products that will give me an automatic upgrade for being a good customer. Um, airline miles, a great example. Um, regardless, um, you can push that update uh, to the device, basically through the shadow, um, and connect it back to so that you can sort of do this automatic closed loop management of your end customer experience. Um, and that's a very simple, I mean, it's not just icon boxes that are simple. The tools are built um, so that they handle a lot of the interconnectivity uh, on their own. So, enough from me. Um, I'm going bring up Olga Laganula, talk from Pitney Bowes, and I'll let you move on to the next slide when you want to. Um, can you hear me now? All right. I'm going to give you a video. Do you enjoy? It's fast. Seconds. It's mind-boggling. It's commerce. A world filled with complexity and chaos. A world also filled with growth and great opportunity. 
Get it right, you win. Get it wrong, you lose. To succeed, you need precision and accuracy. The skills of a craftsman and the proven skills of Pitney Bowes. We've helped 1.5 million small businesses and over 90% of the Fortune 500 across the physical and digital landscape. As craftsmen, we make messages personal. We use data to find the best place to build your business. We make shipping simple, and we get statements and invoices to the right person at the right place and time. We're 15,000 men and women creating, shaping, sharpening, refining. That's what craftsmen do. And that's what the world of commerce needs. Pitney Bowes, the craftsman of commerce. I think this is the best way I can uh, help you guys to, to understand what Pitney Bowes is and is not. Um, how many people in the room heard name Pitney Bowes? Okay. How many of you think that Pitney Bowes is a, a postage meter company? <laughs> um, and we are. It's, we are proud of our history, but we are so much more. Like we often call ourselves 96 years old startup. It's because we are continuously re reinventing ourselves. And right now we are in the, like three years in, in a very um, fascinating transformation. Um, and and the, the, the uh, video that you just uh, saw uh, ex explains exactly what this transformation is about. Uh, we are taking all our assets, unique assets that we have in Pitney Bowes, we are democratizing them, we are putting APIs around them, we are packaging them together in such a way that we can create much better solutions for our customers. And what we are trying to, um, to do more and more, and, and you, see, you saw it in, in, in this video, we were really, really helping our customers, like say Facebook and eBay, to be very successful in the world of commerce. And by you know, identifying, understanding the existing customers, identifying new opportunities, locating, locating them, um, communicating with the customers, whether it's physical and digital or digital communication, we send videos, we send mail, uh, we simplify the shipping and we help our customers to, to pay use, using our credit cards and our financial services. That's our vision. But today we are going to talk about our iconic business. We are going to spend time talking about the meters. Um, and it's, it's actually very interesting to see how IoT becomes such a um, catalyst for transforming your most traditional business and what you can do it, with it and how it transforms not only um, the business itself but the whole company and our understanding of how we communicate with our customers and how we operate. In order for us to be a really, truly digital company, we identify a set of competences where we have to be really, really good at. And this is what you see on the bottom. And I'm going to talk a lot about it, just give you an example through the presentations. But just to highlight, it's all about design and design thinking and really, truly understanding the customers and continuously learning what the customers want. It's about being really good at cloud enablement, be a really good SaaS company. And this is where AWS, was you know, really foundational for our transformation. We made, a re we made a decision about two years ago, we are going to develop our new products on AWS, and we're not doing just lift and shift. So we've done some of that, but we are truly embracing the whole ecosystem um, with fully with uh, AWS managed services, and that's accelerated our ability to develop tremendously, and we're going to talk about that. Data, um, 
during the last these two years, we, you know, we built the whole data lake on AWS. We built, built all our, brought our data sets, and we built IoT platform on top of it. Um, and the business system, this is one part that I, how many of you are from traditional companies where you actually uh, have to deal with systems, business systems, like SAP or Salesforce that have been around for a while? So part of it is when you're building an IoT system, you have to be really, really good at connecting to these business systems. Not only you have to be able to efficiently sell your devices, and that requires integration with sales and marketing, you want to be really good at understanding your customers and feeding this information to your marketing team. You also need to be very you know, good with integrating with client care, with the field services, right? There is a whole ecosystem of the business systems. And sometimes it's not easy to do. So one of the things that we have done is really abstracting this layer of business systems so we can do, we can build our solutions and they can be really integrated in a very good and strong way and we can do it very fast. The only one other thing I want to mention here because it's, it's, it's relevant to what we're going to talk about is APIs. One of the decisions that we've made three years ago, it's all about API, it's API first. So everything that we do from our core competences to business systems are abstracted through APIs, and this allows us to move and create new solutions faster. So this is what we are going to talk about today. Again, our iconic business, this is our customer, real customer, looking at one of our postage meters. This is a small one. This is the existing device. So. If you look at it, it's not a very glamorous environment. Um, the typical customers that we deal with, it's mom and pop shops. Uh, it could be your uh, dentist office. Uh, it could be a lawyer office, right? So when you walk into your dentist office and you see a friendly receptionist, that's the person that usually uses these devices. So there is no IT, there is no, uh, and these devices have been around for seven years. So what we saw was simple seven years ago, I don't think, we would consider simple now. Things changed. And um, we were, when we looked at it, we have two problems. We have a brownfield problem. We have 1.5 million of these devices out there. We also have a greenfield problem. We are going, we are building new devices. We are getting them to the market. They're providing exciting functionalities that we know our customers want and need. But how do we balance it so we don't move fast, customers too fast that they have a choice? And our goal was to make our existing devices uh, smarter, make them simpler. To, you know, some of them are still using analog line connections. So our customers have you know, dedicated analog lines. We wanted to move them to, to, to the modern world. Like, how do you do that? So we can upgrade the systems. We can understand what the customers are doing better. So we can give them recommendations how to save money. So we can... Up, um, we, we, we could help them if there is a problem, immediately send them an email, say, this is, we detected a problem, here is a video that is going to help you to solve this problem. Very simple things like that, but how you, we couldn't do it with analog connections. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, one of the things that we are very proud of is our design thinking that we really implemented through the whole company. We have a really fantastic and strong UX team. So every time when we think about, we're going to do something new, our UX team, you know, hit the road. And, and this is just an example. This is our, our folks out there um, talking to the different customers. Uh, we did about, you know, all, all around the world, just trying to understand what would be the best way 
to deliver this new functionality, whether in the brownfield or greenfield, existing devices or new devices. Um, brownfield, right? Um, we talked about a little bit the problem, analog lines. We don't know what the customers are doing. They're connecting once, once a month. If they have a problem, how can we help them uh, to solve the problem better? So we, we partners to solve this type of problems. We partners, partnered with a company called Electric Imp. I don't know how many of you uh, have done, have, do know about this company. Fantastic partner for us. They provide a combination of um, a software and uh, uh, software and hardware solutions. So this dongle that you see in this blue, uh, blue circle is uh, how um, we connect our uh, devices, existing devices, connected to LAN or, or, uh, or, or Wi-Fi. And there is a you know, cloud component that facilitates telemetry and also um, execution of the commands and communication with the devices. We use that uh, as a way to connect, the to connect the devices. And then we build the whole infrastructure, IoT, uh, data processing on AWS with all the applications running on AWS. And I'll, I'll show you how that works in the details. The one thing that I want to mention and go by, again, when you're, when you're doing something with your 1.5 million existing customers, the one thing you want to do is do no harm, right? Um, what you cannot do is try to simplify their life and give them something that is so difficult to do that they cannot, they cannot complete the tasks. Um, this is a very cool way to connect the devices. There is a, this this uh, dongle does not have you know, any keypads or anything like that. How do you, how do you program it? So um, uh, Electric Imp has a technology called BlinkUp. So you, 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 take, you, you take the dongle and you bring it to, to, your, to your screen. You can see it over there. And it transmits the information to the device by flashing light, which is pretty cool. But the first time we gave it with the instructions that we provided to our customers, they had about 40% satisfaction rate, which is not good. So it's, it's, it's our experimentation prior to releasing products, of course. And, and we got it to 99%. So just going back to the design thinking and making the right thing. And, and, and then we, we have these new devices coming up, and, and they, are, they are sending devices. So it's not about mailing anymore. It's about shipping. And if you look at our commerce cloud strategy, it, it's going beyond that, right? So we really want to do what we've done always, the mailing, but also get smarter about how to deliver new functionality using the same, same devices. They have Androids on them. so. Um, it's a fully, um, it's, it's a full, it's a full-blown Android tablet. So there are a lot of things we can do now, and we can use we can use uh, Amazon IoT because they are capable. These devices are capable of running um, the SDK. So going back to what Sarah said, when you're trying to come up with what you're going to do with your IoT devices. What you think originally you're going to do is not necessarily that what you end up doing. And, and there is a lot of learning that is happening through the process. And as a result of it, your architecture absolutely has to be able to support this experimentation, right, wrong, let me try this, okay, it doesn't work, let me try something else. It's been incredibly, um, incredibly important for us through our journey. So what you see here, it says IoT strategy. It's not, it's not necessarily IoT strategy. It's, it's what we are doing today, right? I think if you think about IoT strategy and what's possible out there, what we really want to do collectively, 
uh, as people who embrace design thinking and empathy, we want to make SMB uh, owners' life easier, right? But, but you have to start somewhere, and this is a starting point. So before you, before you go and, and, and um, get to the point when you say, Alexa, ship, uh, I don't know, um, ship the Christmas gifts to my um, top t 10 customers, um, and, or maybe you will leave and say, Alexa, pay my taxes too. I don't know. But you, you, you have to start doing simple things, right? And the simple things are how can we simplify so the customers don't have to initiate the software updates so they get the rates updated? Um, can, can, can we help them with automated supply replenishment? There is ink there, right? Can we, can we help them save the money too in, in the process? Um, can we sell them notifications just in time so they can understand how to fix it? Um, and the most like, dear to us is, can we help them with the personalized recommendations so um, we can help them to save money, essentially, and say, if you only did that, we see with the volumes that you, you know, you're generating of the mail or the shipping, if you try to use different service, if you did that, you use different envelope, that's how much money you could save. Um, and this is part of the client. There is also the whole part of your call center in, in, in reality. By doing this, your, your company is doing better too, like you're saving money as well. Um, you, you are getting smarter, you can understand what the, you know, you can remotely manage your devices, you could um, proactively detect the problems, you can understand the pattern of usage and say, oh, yes, you know, we know that this device is pretty much need service, will need service pretty soon. And you can open the tickets uh, automatically um, with your service folks. I, our journey in IoT actually started with the data. All this recommendation stuff and there were things that I was talking about, we started there because we did have some data from our customers already. So this, going, going back to the recommendations, even through analog lines, we were able to get some data once a month, not so great, but we were able to do that. Starting with what you know and learning from that was incredibly helpful for us because at the end we were able to understand what else do we need to do what else or other data sources we have to collect. This is just um, our overall um, kind of architecture for, for, for our data lake, for our spatial platform, which I, we believe completely you know, critical for everything that we do in analyzing the data and bringing geo uh, context to to, to our data processing, and then IoT platform on the top. The one thing I do want to mention, and, and Sarah had really you know, hit it, there are so many consumers of your data, and the more relevant you can be to your consumers of the data, the more successful you will be in the company um, introducing uh, IoT or any other um, initiatives like that. Let me just jump into, into the architecture because I think the time is precious and I hope we are going to have some time for uh, Q&A. We talked about greenfield and a brownfield. I'm going to slow down a little bit here because there are a lot on the slides. What the first slide, I'm just going to show you how the architecture for our brownfield deployment looks like. Um, so this is our existing meters with a dongle connecting to Electric Imp. Um, electric Imp has its own secured private protocol. Um, there is a certificate which pretty much is embedded in the physical device. By the way, uh, we are printing money. So 
it's really, really important for us to be very, very secure in, in all our communications. Um, electric imp is uh, push, uh, connecting to Kinesis Stream on AWS. We have multiple Lambda functions um, subscribed to the Kinesis Stream. And, and this is where, you know, we have to think about all the considerations about hot data, warm data, cool data, and cold data. We're going to talk about it uh, as well in the, in the future slides. But this, this, uh, this um, flow, connect, collect, process the data, and then reach the data, and then decide what you want to do the data, with the data, how you're going to act on it, whether it's automating things or serving information to other applications or um, providing insights and analysis. I think it's a very common plat uh, pattern um, that uh, at least we have seen with a, with a lot of companies that we talked about. Um, the real cool about it is almost like a Lego blocks, right? You can, you can assemble them one way and then you can reassemble them another. Um, let me show you how we are, go we are assembling it now by adding our greenfield and AWS IoT to the picture. So new devices capable of, uh, we have much more flexibility of how to change them and what we run on them. So um, they run Java SDK connecting to um, IoT device gateway role engine um, and, and device. So device shadow now can play a role of um, DynamoDB and, and keep the configuration. Um, role engine is it's a fantastic new capability for us. But what we also could do, we could also you know, put it back in Kinesis Stream and at the beginning just start using the functionality that we already have and then building on, on top of it. Um, Just going a little bit into details. Um, the one thing I did want to mention, the whole process for us of going from concept of providing IoT for our existing devices, for the brownfield, to actually building the whole software uh, part of it and getting it into the market took about seven months. Um, I don't think we would be able to do it ever to do it without AWS. It was just such an accelerator of everything that we've done. And I just, Surya, wave your hands. We have um, Surya Sagi, who is sitting in front, um, and we'll bring him later on stage. But um, Surya is uh, the whole, uh, Surya runs the development team who does Big Data uh, Lake and um, our data platform and also our IoT platform. So if you have more questions at the end, uh, we'll, be happy to, we'll be happy to go into as many details as you want technically. Um, so, uh, we talked about uh, a lot of this functionality already. Um, the, the one thing that, um, just let's talk about Greenfield a little bit. Um, for, the, for the Greenfield connections, we, you know, it's using MQTT protocol between devices and AWS IoT. Uh, it's um, secure communication using uh, X509 certif certificate. Um, I think I pretty much talked about majority um, of uh, the way we connect already. Um, want to give you a little bit uh, of uh, information how uh, different lambda functions, how do we think about hot and cold and how do we use all these different services and what do we use them for. So all the configuration information from the devices, we are storing it 
in, in, in the brown field, we are storing it dynam in DynamoDB. Um, it's all JSON um, format, so if we can want to plug in new devices that have completely different configuration, we, we, we can do it easily. Um, Elasticsearch, back to what Sarah was saying, um, we're using Elasticsearch to do ad hoc queries. Um, Elasticsearch is fantastic uh, for, 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 for things like that, so if you want to know how many meters came online yesterday, how many meters were experiencing problem, um, this ad hoc queries we are running against Elasticsearch and it does, does save us a, a, a lot of money. It's more expensive to do it with MODB. Um, and so after that, what you see Lambda functions that pick the data and getting it into Amazon S3, this is our cold data. This data goes later in, into the data lake, so we could do uh, additional analysis, additional analytics with all the data that we are bringing in contextual geo data, our data about our customers, data about our customer customers, so we can bring it all together and provide really good uh, personalized uh, insights to our customers. We can um, provide recommendations to our services folks, client care, um, how, you know, or, and the product management, to be honest, how our customers are using products and what does and what doesn't work. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I missed something. Um, so Kinesis for us um, is solving a problem of large uh, number of, ingestion of large number of data, and it's doing it fantastically. Um, we, are bringing, we are bringing these devices online um, in not all of, 1.5 million at the same time, right? It comes in waves. We're only using Kinesis as much as we need. We're only using Lambda as much as we need. Again, it's a very um, cost-efficient way for us to, 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 to process the data um, and also to experiment. So I'm going to give you a couple of uh, examples here. Um, don't know if you're going to, to attempt doing the similar things, but it's been uh, really a life-saving exper experience for us. And then um, I think it uh, also goes and illustrates how flexible this architecture is. And I, I think um, I've, I've been in this business for a long time, and, and you look how easy it is now to combine these Lego pieces. We never had anything like that before. So one thing that... Um, we have, in Kinesis, we, um, we keep data for seven days, right? And that's saved our life once. We, we, we really uh, managed to push one of the updates to our devices that introduced a problem. And, and the problem was that the, the, the XML the device is pushing up got corrupted, and, and so the data was not coming just exactly the way we needed to, to get it. And we have CloudWatch monitoring all the streams, and so we detected the problem really, really fast. We understood the problem exists. We debugged it very quickly. We identified what happened. And so uh, while the team was you know, pushing a new software update to our devices, we didn't lose any data because we were able to bring up one new Lambda function that was just looking at this uh, um, mal-structured XMLs and just fixing them as they were going through them. 
very, very cool way. Uh, Kinesis provided all this backup. Nothing was lost. Very, very, very easy recovery. Um, the other thing that might be a useful tip uh, if you're just experimenting with Lambda, Lambda supports multiple languages. So what you pick to, to, to do certain things might affect your... Um, your performance. So one of the things that we tried is, you know, because our old devices are sending data in XML, we have to constantly convert from XML to JSON, and we picked originally Node.js as a way to do that. And it was slow. You convert it to Java, it's much faster. So it, 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 it pays off to experiment. Um, and, and, and finally, um, going to building uh, the services and building the applications, which is the whole point of uh, building uh, the, the whole infrastructure to start with. Um, we use Docker um, in order to, um, to deploy uh, our microservices that you, you see in uh, automate server information and analyze a part of um, of this diagram. Um, we use Beanstalk, um, so we, we, don't, we don't have to worry about scaling up, scaling down. Very, very uh, convenient. Um, we actually have a very small group of people who are able to put all this infrastructure together um, in a very, very short period of time. And, and, and the flexibility of the whole and stability of the whole um, system is, 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 has been really, really great. So um, what's, what's really important, and we are, you know, we are learning and changing this constantly, working with our stakeholders, its ability to add these applications and deliver them to your clients, um, instrument them to understand how the clients are using it, uh, add new functionality as needed to provide additional features to the clients. But what we've learned the most, it's a really uh, interesting uh, process for the whole organization to start seeing this data flowing in, uh, in real time. And, and you know, once we when, we, when we started this discussion about IoT, it was all about experimentation. We are not quite sure where the value is. So the, the whole idea of start seeing the data and putting it in front of your state business stakeholders, just seeing the map of, of all these devices and, 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 and being, showing the portal and saying, okay, look, you, on, you now can really understand how the client is using the devices, what the errors occurred during last 30 days. This is how you could do your job better, client care or services, because we are going to show you everything that we know about the client it has been very transformational for the company. So once you start seeing what's a possibility, your whole company has becomes really hungry for the data and for the knowledge. And you start getting really, really get great uh, ideas from your stakeholders. But it's, it's an iterative process, and learning is a really, really big part of it. Um. That speaks to this last point. Um, this process of collecting data, enriching data, analyzing, deliver insights, act and uh, automate, 
it's, it's all goes in circle and every single part of the organization is transforming and learning as, as part of it. Um, since we've been on this journey, I, I just wanted to tell you, not just because we are, you know, we are a great company, which we are, but I think it just uh, indicates um, how industry really reacts to successful IoT implementation. Um, we had, you know, a lot of awards and, and from IoT World Congress um, for smart link implementation, um, for our design thinking approach, for, um, for you know, our use of um, winner of the Innovator Awards of, at Octane. A lot of this stuff is really done through with the help of our partners. A lot of work, a lot of work that, a lot of success that we had is was learning from the customers, learn, learning from our partners like AWS, uh, like Apigee or uh, Okta. Um, the, whole, the whole learning experience for us, I think it's part of, what of, part of our DNA now. Um, and and, and that's, I think that's why we are really, really proud of what we were able to accomplish. Um, that's, um, Sarah, do you want to add anything? I was sending out a tweet. Um, <laughs> oh! And apparently I can't walk upstairs. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, to kind of quickly, we've heard a lot uh, with the State of the Union, kind of talking about things like, um, oop. Doo -doo -doo. there we go, uh, things like green grass um, and uh, the new console and some dashboards that we're coming out with, um, as well as the enterprise button. All of these are, are announcements that came out and kind of feed into um, uh, the concept of living products. Uh, green grass takes the flexibility of, of Lambda, that flexibility, the agility to be able to do those changes, takes that same programming model and puts that local. Um, now all of your cloud devs can do that same functionality down on the device. Um, also provides a local shadow and some of that rules capability. Um, dashboards, you know, as uh, Olga pushed out, there's a lot of folks who have a stake in IoT, making sure that the data that we're providing and that we're helping to support has that context for each of those different stakeholders. We're looking at how can we expand what we do um, and how we present data and the tools that we provide folks like Pitney Bowes um, to be able to do that more quickly out of the box. Um, that allows you know, uh, our customers to experiment with getting something out, playing with it, seeing where it goes, and then diving in on all of the details and how they want to customize that. It's kind of, um, I consider kind of training wheels. Um, an enterprise button is just cool. Um, we've got a lot of internal use cases. Uh, one of the greatest things about working at AWS thus far is that we've got Amazon next door. Um, and so when I say, hey, you know, what are we going to use an you know, enterprise button for? Beer's cool. Um, but I really like something that, you know, has a humanitarian impact. Go around and I knock on a few doors and soon enough, you know, somebody in supply chain says, hey, could we use it to do this? Um, so you'll see more and more from us on, on how to use some of these things. Um, enterprise button for me, by the way, um, it gets a lot of flack from some of the IoT community for being a very simple thing. It has no screen. Um, that's cool. You know, how many screens do we look at? 
It's a button. It's very, very simple. But it doesn't have a screen. That's the other cool thing about Alexa and some of the combinations of technologies. If IoT is really going to become ubiquitous, we are going to need to figure out how it becomes part of the backdrop and part of how we build it into our lives rather than constantly having it yell at us. Um, and that's a big piece of figuring out how customers and users um, uh, want to go ahead and use that.